Hey, everybody. Welcome to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. We have an amazing episode coming up in just a second. We're going to hear from Cheryl Trotsky, Colleen Estrada, and Mary Hudson. And they're going to talk about the Republican Central Committee. They are on the ballot and they are trying to bring authenticity, transparency, and raise the visibility of the Central Committee. And they're going to explain all of the issues related to that in just a second. But first, if you're new to this podcast, please hit subscribe on YouTube. This is a community conversation where perspectives and opinions all matter. It's a place where we can have civil discourse on the issues that matter to all of us the most. We're talking housing, education, politics, transportation, culture, business, the things we care about. And this is a place for everybody to come together and talk and learn and walk away feeling a little bit more informed. Please also visit SantaBarbaraTalks.com. That is my website. Please consider a contribution. This is my podcast. I'm a journalist. I'm a local teacher. And this is my way of creating dynamic conversations using my more than 20 years of journalistic experience. And you're not going to get this kind of content and forum and uh, just this sort of community anywhere else. So please hit subscribe on YouTube, consider a contribution at SantaBarbaraTalks.com. And let's go now to these three dynamic individuals. So amazing, this conversation. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you. Welcome to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. We have a very special episode today. I'm here with three members of the Unite to Win SB Slate, and they are, two of them are incumbents, and another one all running to be on the Republican Central Committee, and this is just going to be a fantastic conversation for a variety of reasons. Mary Hudson, Cheryl Trotsky, Colleen Estrada, thank you all for, for being here, and I want to just kind of have a conversation about the the drama, the sort of story of what's happening here with the Central Committee. And I'm going to kind of like lay the foundation and then I'll throw the questions to you. But, you know, normally when we think of elections, we think of sort of the top of the ticket candidates, right? We think of the big races and, you know, the the, the Congress or, or Senate or the supervisors. And there's so much that goes on behind the scenes with the parties that help put these candidates into place. And it's a really influential position and role. And I don't know that a lot of people understand that. And I think today we're going to talk about some of the issues that have occurred within the Republican Party locally. And uh, obviously, what the three of you want to do to change that. So um, let's start with you, Cheryl. Okay. Um what what's the issue? What's going on with the local Republican Party? And uh, what is it that you would like to to change? You're on the committee now, and there's obviously questions about the leadership. So start us off with uh, what what are the issues? What is the challenge? And the the challenge and the issues are that uh, I'd like to see greater transparency. Mm-hmm. The way uh, 
decisions are made, the way uh, the budget's handled, uh, that it's more transparent and open. I'd like to uh, see a strategic plan enacted whereby we're uh, measured by metrics and we have goals and tactics to achieve our um, things that we set out as our goals that are important to move the party forward. And in all of that, bringing credibility and elevating the professionalism of the Santa Barbara County Central Committee. And that will help unify the party, retain Republicans, and bring back Republicans that have left the party and reach out to those that are like-minded to bring them into uh, the Republican Party. Right. Colleen, you want to uh, talk about that same question? Um, yeah, I think that um, I will just amplify um, Cheryl and I are incumbents. We've been on the committee about the same amount of time. Formerly, Cheryl was the redistricting commissioner, so she's quite an, an adept and skilled person and valuable to the Republican Party efforts. Um, she also served in the 22 cycle as our election integrity officer. She has a great relationship with the elections office. So um, we want more people like Cheryl on the committee um, and fewer people who sort of want to go to a meeting once a month and and talk and chat and maybe make some phone calls. We need some some heavy, heavy lifters in the group. For myself, I joined um, in 2020. Um, it was hard to find the committee. So that's sort of like the first problem. Um, I actually accidentally got on the committee because I had given up. And um, a fellow named Jim Byrne, who's a District 4 rep, or and he, he will be seated again in 25, um, was with the came from the county planning for a project I was doing at my home in Santa Inez, and we got to talking, and he was like, "What?" And that's how I got on the committee. So that shouldn't happen, right? So it's it's a that's a small thing, but it's it's um, emblematic of uh, sort of a hodgepodge approach to running what should be a highly effective organization, matching our demographics and a lot of goals that a large part of the population has. Um, to have conservative values, fiscal policies, great candidates for all of our local offices from, um, you know, little little committees and commissions to school board to supervisor. Mm -hmm. So um, so I joined, I have, I'm a, a, an ex-Microsoft technology executive. Um, I have deep technology expertise and I thought I could really help if I got into a volunteer role and eventually became um, a full member, a voting member. I'm a California delegate appointed by Mike Stoker. Um, I uh, created a position on the executive committee for myself to be executive, uh, the, the third vice chair for data and digital. Um, in June of, of uh, uh, 23, I'd stepped down from that role, but kept my D3 role in large part because I was frustrated by an overall pattern in the leadership where we weren't performing with the strategy. We weren't performing, therefore, with quality um, or speed or with an, with a true ability to have impact. Wow. Okay. Great. And and Mary, I know that um, you are not on the committee. Um, and not you're, running, you're not yet. You're running in District One. Can you yes. talk about some of the issues from your perspective that are prompting you to run for this seat? Well, I've always, I'm a Santa Barbara native, so I've always had a heart for this city and the county, of course. And my husband and I have served in ministry for 45 years, helping people and had two churches here. But our, my heart was to see, you know, uh, teamwork. 
I want to see strategy, just like Colleen was talking about. There's got to be a plan. Uh, Teamwork makes the dream work. And if you get a team together that can flow together, I mean, not everybody's ever going to agree on everything, but you can have a a bullseye on the target and you can uh, see where you're going and you can uh, shoot higher. Another thing, uh, Josh, was that um, a lot of people I talk to here don't even know there is a central committee. What is a central committee? Central committee raises the money for candidates. It finds candidates. It's a really important committee, but it's uh, sort of hidden. And so it needs to be exposed. People need to know that there's an opportunity. There's 140 uh, board uh, offices before July 1st that people can run for. I mean, if you want change in this community, you can't sit back and complain. You complain, you remain, right? You raised, you're going to be raised. So let's get the show on the road and get something done. We've got two incredible people here, Cheryl and Colleen, which have great technical abilities. I just love to encourage people to get into their slots and get into their, uh, you know, like what you've done with this Santa Barbara Talks is awesome because everybody has a forum. People can talk back and forth. It's not like we're closed off. We should always be in a discussion mode. Sometimes you go before the board of supervisors, the school board, it's like they're watching their phones, they're deaf ear to you. So you want somebody that goes back and forth that you can have. You must live in the first district, Mary. (laughs) Why? How do you, why do you think that? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. yeah, Supervisors on their phone during meetings. Yeah. I don't know why. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that's why I'm passionate about it. I'm excited. Once Cheryl started talking to me, I'm going, What? what is this? So I talked to some other people here in first district. They're going, what is central committee? And they're going, you mean there's something that makes decisions? So yeah, <laughs> get out there. Yes. And it, it should be noted, uh, Mary, that you are uh, uh, the mother of Katy Perry. And you know, you're very formidable in your own right in this community, but you have a huge endorsement in your daughter. So, Well, she's a sweetheart. We all have family. We live within about half a mile of each other. My older daughter, my son, and of course, the middle child wants the most attention. Well, I have I have a 10-year-old daughter, and I, honestly, I will tell you, Katy Perry's at the top of our list, even above Taylor Swift, when we're dancing around <laughs> at home. Wow, that's music. big. I'll let her know. <laughs> um, but um, let me dive in and talk a little bit about candidates, okay, and strategy. I have talked a lot on my show. I have interviewed... Frank Trois, who's running for third district supervisor. So, so let's go right there. Um, call, uh, Cheryl, you you were on the redistricting commission. You were part of that effort, and there was so much effort to make the third district more balanced in terms of voter registration and having representation, and not just having the South County sort of dominate the voice in the North County. And so it happens. Um, there's some redistricting. Isla Vista's factored out. More weights given to the North County. And Frank Choice emerges. And I've had him on the show, and I've talked to him, and this is nothing personal toward him, but he's an underwhelming candidate. And I've told him this, and he's not raised a whole lot of money. And you need to, if you're going to play the game, you need to play to win, right? Can you talk a little bit about how much this effort has to do with the third district and um, not being able to maybe find the biggest, strongest name for that very important swing seat. I think this really speaks to transparency. Mm -hmm. There was little transparency in the process. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to really illuminate 
uh, on this because uh, as a sitting member, I really wasn't um, aware of the process of selecting Frank Choice. Mm. And so uh, this is one of the reasons why I may not have been endorsed because I don't subscribe to that kind of decision-making and I'd like to see more transparency. I'd like to see more openness and, and more vetting of the candidates and more vetting of a candidate that we know is going to be a winning candidate and a, a candidate that is going to be supported by district three. And we have a fabulous opportunity. And it, it was important to me as a commissioner to see that opportunity capitalized. And so uh, I have to say that, in terms of, uh, you know, the strategy that went into selecting the candidate, I, I want to I want to be elected so that I can be more uh, empowered to make those kind of decisions where I am involving the constituency and we're uh, looking for a candidate that's representative of the community that's known to the community. Yeah, and and exactly. hopefully anyone can jump in at any time. It's yeah. Go ahead, Colleen. Yeah, so uh, so I'm in District 3, and I was uh, obviously a little bit more um, aware of the process that was that was undertaken. And um, there's there's a little bit of the Michelle Westlander Quaid flavor to it at the end of the day um, without delving into details, because I'm honestly not at liberty to discuss it. Um, there were two high name recognition potentials for supervisor in addition to Frank Troy's. Um, and they were strongly discouraged really early in the process from getting involved. So I had a front row seat to that. And I think echoing Cheryl's concerns about it, it sort of, um, it, it doesn't speak to the way that she and I, clearly we've, we're, we're part of the whole unite to win 805.com group. Um, we, all want we think we'll be more successful with greater transparency uh, a, an exposed measured strategic plan and unity and things like these processes that happen especially for d3 d3 had a tremendous amount of excitement with san Inez valley common sense going full behind michelle westlander quaid for michelle Westler, westlander quaid's candidacy there was no republican and you know at the last minute um, a Republican was literally inserted at the 11th hour. And that was that caused a lot of disunity and lack of harmony with some groups that are conservative in the Valley towards the Republican Party, which wasn't good for the Republican Party, not good for the brand at all. And we didn't end up with a good candidate. Um, and so in some ways, we kind of have repeated that process. Now, I think Frank is, is um, you know, he, he's got a lot of interesting experience to bring to the table. Um, and I, I think everybody sort of is um, wondering about the, the fundraising, um, but that was something that was supposed to come along with that. And maybe it will, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's coming. Um, so I think, again, just echoing what Cheryl's saying, we, when we get in place, we'll end up with a coalition that has enough votes to have impact on the, the way that we run the committee. Mm -hmm. And he seems to be uh, have a really great understanding how to bring in revenue and uh, do things economically for the county. So that's a plus on his side. 
Um, it is a plus having come from the from 30 years in high tech. There's one concern I have about the revenue plan and maybe Josh you you'll be happy about it but um the constant embracing enthusiasm of having the high tech population living near you um is is something that needs to be fully thought out. Um coming from that industry that is a 99% democratic <laughs> Uh, population. So um, I don't know how that's going to impact the demographics of the the landing zones for these high tech efforts. Um, but you can look around and without care and thought, it could it could end up being something that we don't expect if people in the conservative side of things are, you know, really arguing to get more, for instance, um, school board members like Jerry Thiel up in the Lompoc area. Um, who who is the only conservative voice in the school board, right? If you're getting, if you're injecting more left-leaning people into your population, you know, that's going to get harder and harder. Now, we probably can't stop all that. And so it's practical to embrace it and say what we can do with the revenue, but it would be great to have Republican candidate talking about that openly, that that's one of the challenges. I think if you have some strong young voices that are not afraid or not intimidated, they will speak out. I don't think um, I think they're out there. I think they're just buried under the bush. They are definitely out there. There's a huge at UCSB and uh, there's uh, young Republicans have been revived, uh, resurrected after the the organization, rather not the Republican members themselves. But the organization (laughs) has been revived this past year. Uh, And so there is a, a, a real effort to capture conservative thinking young young people. Yeah, well, they're out there. I think they just need to be stirred up and show the way to go. They need a home. And that's another thing, you know, in terms of unification is to give people a place that they have a compelling yes, to please. come and have the tent be a, a big enough tent that we're embracing. A large um, and, and, a large and part of it is knowing that where the, there is a tent and where it is, right? So, so that's a good on one. On the transparency front, the simplest thing we want to do, what we advocated for, is we should have a section on our on our on our website, which is the main vehicle, you know, the Santa Barbara SBCRP.org. That it should have you, these are your members, so yeah. that you know. But that 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 idea. So these are officials who hold office was was roundly rejected. Um, so you know that I don't believe in that. Partially, it might come from that the tradition, as you probably know, Josh, for the most part, these types of offices are not contested. There's no race. There's, right. not, there's not an election. That's because the most of the, the pattern for most committees like this, the leadership selects the people that are in the seats. So if there's open seats, they either um, don't strongly encourage people to run or they certainly don't want to have more people running than there are seats because then they are not they the voters are deciding who to seat on the committee, not the not the chair of the executive committee. So, um, you know, we're excited that we have three races, um, one, two and, and one, two and three. Um, District four ended up with the same number of qualifying candidates as seats. Um, and um, District two didn't have uh, qualifying, but the chairperson, our chairperson actually appointed someone um, before some important votes happen that, to fill that seat. So those are the kinds of things that go on, maybe with more 
um, visibility, both just yes. being out and relevant in the community, Absolutely. but also, you know, on your public facing materials. This is a thing. This is what we do. These are where our meetings are. There's room for people to come to the meetings. Um, these are all things we yes, want to address. You can come and observe, right, Colleen? I did that on Wednesday night. It was yep. great. Yep. Yeah. And so, uh, Mary, let me, let me ask you to follow up a little bit. You talked about visibility and also getting sort of tapping into that younger audience. Um, I also teach at Santa Barbara City College. I know young Republicans exist, like they, they do, and I, I know they're, they exist. They're there. At, at UCSB. I think some of the problems are that republicanism on a national level tends to get sort of uh lumped into these like moral social issues and anybody who speaks out tends to be villainized and i think what it's about locally is really about um you know the issues locally it's really about the policies it's about trying to find the best candidates it's yeah. about finances it's about economics you know it's right. about representation it's it's not about conversation about some of these social issues that dominate the national conversation. Um, you're always going to have persecution, Josh, when you're running for anything or standing up for anything. There's always going to be people throwing darts. Yeah. But you've got to rise above that. If you really believe in what you're, uh, uh, you know, in your vision, like what Colleen and Cheryl are talking about, it's not going to affect you. You've got to rise above it. Yeah. Do you have thoughts, Mary, on how to reach a younger, the reach those young Republicans come out of the bushes, as you had indicated? <laughs> well, first you've got to talk to them, and then you've got to show them there's an open door. And then I think what, like, the Democrats do is they make them apprentices mm -hmm. or they make them alternates, right? Do we have any alternates at the uh, uh, Central Committee? Any uh, young alternates could be uh, apprenticing? I don't think uh, we do. We, we we don't have many, but we do have a couple. D, D, well, in D4, um, a young man, Hunter Hall, was added as a, actually he's on the executive committee right off the bat, too, which is interesting. But um, but he's, a, I think, probably our newest, youngest member in the committee. And that's wonderful. Oh, yeah. No, I actually, he was there on Wednesday night and he had gone back to Cheryl. Did you see that? He'd gone I back did. to, to Saint Iowa. Louis? Iowa, no, Iowa. Yeah, the Iowa, Iowa caucus. caucus. Yeah, he totally got involved in that. They had him working 12 hours a day for eight eight yeah. days straight or something, but he was still had a smile on his face. He loved it. Absolutely. He had to pay for it, too. He didn't get any. I got a few expenses, but he had to pay his own airfare. But that was really heroic. Yeah. You know, one of the things Democrats, the local Democratic Central Committee, do really well, regardless of you know what you think of their policies, is they start very early sort of um, – recruiting the next generation and yes so they do it at the college campuses and every right now during campaigns every saturday sunday they're canvassing they're phone banking and it sounds like these are the type of tactics that the republican central committee wants to do itself and do more of um because i don't know i you know you don't see a lot of republican canvassers walking the neighborhoods for a particular candidate, you know. Well, so we're out there. Cheryl's out there. Colleen's out there. Yeah, you know, and you need sort of the next but, generation. But yeah, you're you're exactly right. I mean, those are the kinds of things. Um, Cheryl and I had drafted because there wasn't a strategic plan. We had worked in the spring of '23 to to create one, and then we formed a subcommittee for that. And um, um, those types of activities with measurable results 
in, in every individual caucus because there's a D1 caucus, there's a D2, D3, every, every district, every supervisorial district has a, an associated caucus and membership. And what we were advocating for is to run those small caucuses as many instances of the larger caucus with report outs. And imagine that, you know, how many, well, how many voter registration drives did your people do? Um, where were they? Do you have a system in place that's repeatable across all the caucuses? So we could start off by not everybody inventing their own wheel. Um, each area could sort of say, well, we'll do, we'll do uh, voter registration. We'll do donor dollars. We'll do, so we have uh, a plan um, that we can use to we hit the ground running if the Unite to Win 805.com group does get into office. Um, hopefully we do. Um, we're ready. We're really ready to go with these ideas that weren't well received by the existing leadership. Right. Let me ask you a Including question. Including building the bench for candidates. Like that's, you know, it's donors, volunteers, candidates, um, and, and fundraising that we're really responsible for. So yeah, I mean, we that, have that a plan. So you need all of those to be successful, particularly when the voter registration is not in your favor. Um, you need to do all those things. Um, I want to start, go back to you, Cheryl, and sort of start the conversation off with you about this mailer, this endorsement. Uh, the Republican Central Committee endorsed itself, at least, you know, its own members who are on the committee through a mailer. And can you talk a little bit about that? Because um, it feels a little bit like a, a conflict of interest because they're using that Republican money to sort of benefit themselves, where there are other Republicans here who are running and you know, maybe it should be just based off of their own campaigns. But Cheryl, can you talk about that endorsement mailer and, you know, what you think of that? I opposed the idea when it was first presented. I found out about it through uh, another member, and then it was uh, further discussed at a uh, committee level, at executive committee level. I opposed it. There were two other members that opposed the endorsement because it is uh, unethical. Uh, it's legal. But just because you can doesn't mean you should. And I was concerned that uh, not only does it uh, give the appearance that the leadership is putting their thumb on the scale as to who is going to be on central committee, but it discourages people that want a seat at the table that are on the outside, you know, because then it looks like a closed a closed loop that there's no room for outside participation or new faces or new ideas. And I was really concerned about the chilling effect that it would have on volunteers that are capable, uh, hard workers, forward thinking, uh, that it would discourage them from running. And in fact, it did. It created a lot of disunity. And, uh, and in fact, uh, we weren't made aware that this was going to occur until after we all filed. And so for the volunteers that had jumped in that now were um, embroiled in a, a real campaign, uh, the fact that there is a GOP endorsement is powerful in itself. I mean, reaching back to the 2022 campaign between Brad Allen and Michelle Westlander Quaid, you see right there how powerful the GOP endorsement is, you know, Michelle worked so hard, had a great campaign and a great website, everything. And Brad Allen, you know, maybe didn't run a campaign, sort of. Um, and he got 30% of the vote, Colin, um, 
Michelle got 9%. And so we're hoping that we don't have a repeat of that here in uh, March 5th, uh, where the GOP endorsement's really difficult to overcome. In addition to that, they're able to use donor funds to uh, pay for all these campaign materials. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we're happy that organizations like yourselves and other people have stepped up to really give us a voice because other than that, we don't really have a, pl a, a way to get our message out like the GOP endorsed candidates do that have um, the chair uh, that has uh, endorsed them, put them on the voter guide, they're on the website, they're on the wave, and uh, it's a lot to overcome. And no, I was not, uh, I felt like this was another, this spoke to another um, issue of of transparency and strategy in yeah, it was it was never discussed prior to um and 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 in fairness and in support of, of Bobby, she did let everybody who was actively coming know if you want to be on the committee, run for office. You have to follow papers and here's how you do it. It was that was all really good a good part of the process, but never once prior to after the filing, never once before that, the filing was it ever mentioned that there would be an endorsement process? Mm. Um, so that, you know, figure the filing was, what was, it was December 8th, right? Yeah. And then prior to December, uh, January 17th, by, by January 17th or before that, January 10th, I think, an emergency meeting was, was uh, voted on to go for this endorsement process. It was floated. And in the committee, uh, the moment that it was floated, that there would be endorsement, I would say, the entire committee was against it. Just sort of like, you know, reading the room. Everyone was like, oh no, that doesn't seem right. That we would be fighting against ourselves. We don't want that. So there are great people on this committee, really talented people. Um, and then there are, then there's stuff that goes on that you just think feels contrary to uh, the ideas that we have for transparency and a strategic plan and, and unity. And this caused a really, a really big negative impact um, within the committee that we think was completely, you know, a, an unforced error, unnecessary, and it forced us to actually get together and, you know, spin up a website and, you know, do all these things and figure out how can we get, you know, how can we, we're spending our own money. I mean, I'm funding, I have given a lot to the party. So eventually I'm, I have funded against myself, which seems kind of odd. And um, we're, we're scraping together our, our little bits of budget to create a real campaign and stay under the, the the FEC filing and all that stuff, and it was pretty pretty hard for us to to get that all together. But we're well, having fun. Our campaign, is our campaign is definitely a homegrown campaign, uh, for sure. But the sad part is it it led to a lot of confusion amongst the voters. People are not understanding because they know me. They know what I've done. They they saw me on redistricting, uh, and and they've seen me since then uh, working within the volunteer you know volunteers and recruitment. And I've been really active, and so it it really created a lot. It has created a lot of confusion. Well, and, isn't this the only committee in the state of California that's ever done this? Uh, not the only one, but it's not. It's not a common practice, Mary. I think San Francisco does endorse their county committee in San Francisco, endorses their uh, candidates Okay. Uh, for central committee. Yeah. But it's something that one, if we prevail, 
it would be the first thing I would be making a motion to change the bylaws that this can never happen again, because I've had uh, a, a, you know, upfront close view of the damage it's done. Mm -hmm. No, we got to be a team. Teamwork, like I said, makes that dream work. You know, the Republican Central Committee, obviously, you can only vote if you're a Republican in these districts, right? Right. So, right. so it's not like open to everybody. But so after that, you have the committee. And I want to ask you about how do you appeal to no party preference voters? Because in Santa Barbara County, the Democrats have a voter registration edge. So you really can't win. Republicans can't really win unless they pull people who are sort of moderates or even Democrats or no party preference. And we know a lot of no party preference people are Republicans, are conservative. They may not feel comfortable, you know, saying it out loud. Well, um, they've lost enthusiasm because there's no leadership. Exactly. So I, we'll start with you, Mary. I want to ask you, let's say you're all on the, the committee now. You know, what do you do to pull people back in to say, hey, this is a place for you and uh, there will be effective results. And if you are a no party preference person, join our team, you know. Right. Exactly. Because we're going to go after inflation, gas prices, public safety, crime rate, how it was five years ago and how it is today. And, you know, a vision to bring in a new recruits. And these ladies have serious vision. And we just promote the vision. We get out there and talk about the uh, central committee that it's a viable uh, entity, you know, it can really change and flip this whole situation around, but you've got to put some energy into it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How, Cheryl, how do you recruit those no party preferences in addition to what, to Mar what Mary said? Cause you, you need them, right? You, you, you can't. Oh, yeah, totally. They, they want to come. They I just had, want a vision. I had a great experience to that point on redistricting because as you know, that was an 11 member commission. There were only three Republicans and the rest was a composition of Democrats and independents. And I really enjoyed the, uh, the rigor of that commission and uh, the ability to find the common ground that I had with um, the other members of that commission. And I think that is the biggest uh, hand across the aisle that we we have Absolutely. is that we are like-minded on a lot of issues and, and we can really rally around those ideas that uh, speak to a better economy, lower crime rate, uh, better education. I mean, who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want safety? Right. Um, our community. And uh, so, I mean, I find that even here in District 1 with the supervisorial race with uh, Roy Lee and the other candidate, uh, you know, people here want uh, safety. They want uh, someone that's representing them that speaks to their issues. And so I think if you have the same approach that Roy Lee is engaging, that uh, I'm voting for Roy Lee. So yeah. I think that is, that's the common ground. And yeah. that's how we breach that, 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 that gap and, and build a bridge there. And he's a Democrat. And he's a Democrat. Mm -hmm. But I can get behind him. Yeah, well, I mean, it's so important to be able to talk to people um, as people 
and not judge people by their party registration. You know, I've always found that that um, I judge people by how they treat me. I don't ask them if they're a Republican or a Democrat. It does not matter. It's how they interact with you and treat you as a person. And you respect yeah. everyone's views and that's fine. And you go on with, with your life and in politics, you have to also think about that sometimes because if you reflexively go with the person who you are registered alliance side with, you may not even know how that got person got to be endorsed, you know, and that's part of the yeah. problem with what you all are facing. And what I love about this is that as we become more credible and effective as a, a, a county committee, then we raise the level of discussion and there is more of a discussion on decisions and, and rules, regulations and legislation that's put forth in our county. And so it might not be the democratic way, democratic way or it might not be the Republican way. It may be the third way, which may be the better way. And I think what's happened is that there's been such a void in um, in that voice being heard that there becomes an imbalance. And yeah. in life in general, that we need yes. to have balance and yeah. we want to bring balance back to uh, the way decisions are made in this county. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then also, you're totally right, Josh, that there, there's a lot of NPPs that that are quite conservative and they have an issue with the Republican as a brand, you know, coming from my background, you know, building products and for big companies and seeing that they're succeeding in the marketplace, the, the Republican party has a brand issue. Um, and if we bring it back home locally when we as a committee are not even showing up visibly and being kind of like the, 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 the ambassadors of that brand as, Hey, you know, like I'm an avid equestrian, I, um, you know, when I go out and about, we don't talk politics. We talk about our horses and our competitions and things like that. And right. we, in, in caring for that part of our lives or, or, you know, operating a small vineyard, et cetera, you interact with people of all stripes. And then maybe at some point it comes along that you're a Republican. I mean, now, obviously it's a little more out there for me, which is great. Fine. Um, people are like, Hey, you know, I'm a Republican too, or, you know, I wish I could register Republican again, but I just can't. So I would like to just get in into this role where we can be more um, on a, on our toes, like leaning forward into, yeah. into that to attract people who we know are conservative, who have said, I don't like that brand. I don't want to have it um, and fix that by being a good ambassador for the Republican brand and not, um, being uh, just allowing it to be something that gets you know demonized with extreme attitudes, like exactly what what Cheryl said. Who doesn't want lower crime, right? A better immigration policy. Um, you know, economically things are really not like 2019. You can say whatever you want about about um, the president at the time, but the policies where we were in 2019. Which year would you rather be living in? 2019 or now, you know, in terms of what was your family life like? What was your employment like? Um, what was your outlook on oh, your ability to care for your family, you know, to pay for things and have a good time and take your family out and, you know, feel better about what how, what the kids were doing in school and weren't afraid about drug drugs coming into their lives. And, fentanyl. you know, I think those are all winning issues. Yeah, fentanyl is a big issue and it tends to get, I mean, we know about it, right? But it affects middle America and mostly. Yeah. And 
you know, I think the reaction to it is sort of not as, um, it's, the reaction has been to other types of drugs affecting um, people in different parts of the country, you know, and that's a definite issue. But we have so many people who are dying of fentanyl overdoses. And yeah. it's like, you know, how exactly. is that? Um, I want to ask you about education. Um, one of the problems, you know, and I cover politics is it's frustrating because the Republicans never get any good candidates to run. And this is why you're running. And school boards are so important because they are, um, you know, this is to make decisions about our schools. Um, how important to the three of you getting on this committee and being able to find candidates to run for school boards, how important of an issue is that? for you when we have our uh, gaps in test scores. Um, we have a whole bunch of issues going on with uh, quality of education pretty much everywhere in California. No, it's vital. Absolutely vital. I think we're all going to jump in here. Mary, why don't you go first? Then we'll go to Cheryl. Well, I just please. think you need people that are on fire, people that are uh, excited. You probably see a lot of kids at City College and the Young Republicans and uh, people like that need to get stirred up. But people your age that have your kind of skills and writing skills and uh, talking skills, they need to be recruited. People that have that kind of uh, value, that have that kind of culture. What were you going to say, Cheryl? So I have to say that if if it weren't for my passion to make sure that the next generation has the kind of life I grew up with, where I had freedom, have freedom, and I have, um, I feel safe to walk down the street. I, right. I'm not, um, I, I, I'm not fearful for my future. Right. I, if it weren't for those things and my passion to make sure that I do my part to make sure the next generation has uh, the America that. I love and 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 feel great about uh, going forward. I I wouldn't probably be involved at all. Um, I add add I add, I add to that. <laughs> I, I would you know, rather be improving my golf game and and being getting better pickleball, pickleball and pickleball. Uh, lunching and with the ladies, not uh, canvassing and trying to get on county committee. But I feel a responsibility to the youth. And 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 I think that um, being able to um, advance and and to live a long life is comes with responsibility to give back and make sure that uh, we're doing our part Absolutely. to uh, keep um, a future that we want to live in. Mm -hmm. For for me on uh, on the school boards, obviously it's one of the most I think city council school boards water boards. Um, you know those are 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 three big areas and that are uh, closer to home than even the supervisor roles are. Yeah. So in, in um, D3, speaking to D3 again, we, um, we actually really reshaped the high school board um, successfully in 22 with the additions of Susan Shehab, Kathy Grace Velasquez, um, uh, uh, Jerry Noel and um, Chris Johnson, who is the president. So it went from, uh, you know, it completely flipped to being four Republicans and and one um, Democrat. And the, it's been really hard for those people that won those seats. Um, how they won them, um, you would, it, it wasn't, it was a, a group effort. 
though, sure, the Republican Party definitely supported and endorsed those candidates, but it really started out of San Inez Valley common sense. Hmm. Um, and, and folks that were very associated with, with that group that identified those people and got them to run and got them elected. Um, so that's really important. And the the platform that they're running on is is really it's about like getting back to basics when you're spending this many thousands of dollars per student and getting such poor results you have to really start looking at what what activities that are ancillary or should be ancillary to getting educated um, are happening at the schools and taking up those valuable precious hours of learning time for the students and you know, we really need to focus on things that are back to basics and also have an alignment to and in the, in the Valley in particular reality in terms of like we are a strong ag area and we need a strong ag um, ag and more vocational type program that is celebrated for all of our folks that are all of our young people and um, and that is invested in. And so that all those things are happening um, in the high school and we need to do more of that. And that can be a model for all different types of parts of the county. So. I have to so uh, underscore that we need to really bring back the vocational education. I mean, not every student is college bound and we need to, oh, yes. you know, when I was in high school, we had wood shop, we had home economics, we had things like that where we were training uh, students uh, uh, to uh in the crafts of, of welding and um, cra uh, carpentry skills. And um, it was, I think we really need to bring that back. And, and also pride, pride in that because it's not, it's not like a, a, these are, these are wonderful, vital professions. Um, our, our, our farmers, our, our people who make our world run right? They, they have right now, you know, have to think about like the way that their, their education through high school, they have much more education than, than most people have in the whole world, right? So to have the opportunity to hone their skills in areas they, they've self-selected into, they want to do ag work, they want to do, um, they want to run their own businesses, there should be financial training as part of school as well. So, I mean, I think all of these things are are being discussed and they're hard to argue with, especially in our county. Well, I think they do that in France, don't they? At eighth grade or what's their equivalent of eighth grade, they decide whether a child is ready for university or they have a métier, they have a vocation, they have something that they're good at. And I think yeah, I, I, don't, I wouldn't do I don't like going all the way there because eighth grade is too young to to attract uh, people. It's way too young. It's way too young for a lot of decisions that are sort of being foisted upon. Well, eighth graders to make. as far as so. so but, 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 so idea, I don't think it's that. It's the idea, though, that it's <clears throat> treated as an equal at right. some point, yes. that it, it yeah. is an option for it's sure. Not a, it's not a secondary thing. It's right. no. both of these are good. And let's figure out what path you want to be on. You and, know? and truthfully, and truthfully, we, we should be training our youth to be competent in those areas, even if they decided to go to college. Yeah. You, know, you should be able to do some basic plumbing skills in your home. Save a lot of money, you know, they're yeah. calling somebody in on a Sunday or yeah, something. That's the football's on. Um, yeah. I, I would be remiss. I have like two more questions. We got about 10 minutes, but I would re be remiss uh, to not ask about the Republican brand and uh, Colleen brought this up and, and Trump 
Um, if you're a Republican and you're looking at these candidates, to, you know, you, the other ones endorsed by the, you know, the other candidates, and you're like, I'm a Republican, but I don't like Trump, you know, or I'm voting Trump. How do people distinguish? I mean, can you, do you are you Trump supporters? Are you Republicans? It's, you know, on a national level, Trump is Trump and he's almost he's bigger than the Republican brand, you know, so. How do you distinguish for those people who are like, I don't know, should I vote for Cheryl? Is she a Trumpster or is she like <laughs> a good old fashioned Republican or is she both? Like, can you sort of answer, address that? Yeah. Sure. I, I think that I, um, you know, we have a party platform. The California GOP has a, a Republican party platform for a reason. And I'm part of that organization. I believe in the GOP. I I they have amazing uh, training uh, uh, programs and resources. And so whoever is the candidate, I'm going to get behind. Okay. Colleen, thoughts on people uh, who yeah, want to... I, hmm? <laughs> I mean, again, I, I do think that there's a brand issue and that he's a polarizing, Trump in particular is a polarizing figure. What I, I would say that to Cheryl, like he, we don't have a nominee yet. It, it looks likely that it seems right now that that's that that might be what happens. Um, and I, I just hearken back to what how was my life in 2019? What was my life like um, under that administration? And I know for sure it is decidedly better on every single thing that I care about. It was better in, in with those policies, in effect. So I you know, we need to separate the cult of personality from the practicality of policy and how it actually impacts us at home. So I say, you know, I'm going to support the Republican because for me, and I don't mean it to be, you know, in any offensive way, for me personally, um, I can see that the impact of the, of the Democrat run last four years is decidedly, you know, much has led to a much more negative uh, lifestyle on numerous dimensions. Um, so it's it's an easy choice for me, and it's not about the it's not about Trump. Okay, Mary, did you want to take a stab at that one? Hey, yeah, I totally agree with Colleen. Personality versus policy. I'm totally on side of policy, and um, you know, Ch uh, Winston Churchill was not a, a very popular prime minister of England, but he did win the Second World War. So I would like to see. Uh, closure on the borders. I'd like to see uh, gas prices lower, and I'd like to see gas being pumped out of the United States. So if he's going to do that, I'm on his side. You know, it's funny that you brought up Churchill because Trump at least didn't get us into any new wars. That oh, was that's really a good. good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be covering the second anniversary of the, the war um, in Ukraine, you know, and a big thing tomorrow, you know. Um, so let's wrap up. I kind of, you know, want to give you kind of all three of you your final thoughts on 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 why people should vote for you or support you or be aware of what's happening with the Republican uh, Central Committee and uh, sort of speak your final sort of, um, you know, whatever you want, background, bio um, to, to our uh, viewers. Uh, we can start with you, Cheryl. Go ahead. Thank you, Josh. Well, this has been a pleasure and yes. I appreciate this time and I really ask for the voters to be informed 
uh, go to my website, uh, CherylTrosky.com or unite to win 805.com and learn more about me. I have a proven track record and I am a doer. Uh, I am uh, passionate about uh, my activity and involvement in the county committee. And I uh, have a plan and vision for the future and how to grow the party, bring more transparency, uh, implement and enact the uh, strategic plan and unify our party, giving Republicans a compelling reason to be part of our effort. Thank you. Thank you. Pauline? Um, yeah, so I, I think, you know, Cheryl and I are sort of partners in having this plan. And um, we look forward, I think, so forward to continuing to be, have the chance to work together to affect positive change for conservatives, whether you're no party preference or registered Republicans throughout the whole county. Um, what I bring to the table is uh, multi-decades of, of uh, work in high tech um, and technology is a fab the fabric of our lives. And I, I deeply understand it. I actually, in my last position at Microsoft, I ran in the engineering organization, the function called design for the products, Word, PowerPoint, and for all of Office artificial intelligence. So um, I have expertise that nobody has in the central committee. And I had been, I have been happily giving all that expertise to the committee pro bono, doing lots and lots of work on, on in a political context. But my, um, my background uh, uh, brings a, a unique skill set that um, is really hard to match anywhere. Um, and then also, you know, I'm a resident, I'm a mom, I'm an equestrian, I have a vineyard, <laughs> um, we're making wine, you know, I am a quintessential D3 uh, person. Um, and I love our valley. I love our, our place. I work for the uh, San Inez Western Heritage Foundation as well as volunteer um, on the rodeo stuff. And I love it here. I love our community. I want to keep working for you and, um, and get winning results. And thanks for the opportunity to talk with you. Oh, great. My pleasure. Yes. That was great, Josh. Thank you so much. I look forward to serving. I just I'm excited. I've always we have been serving in uh, Santa Barbara for years and years, of course, a Santa Barbara native. But I want to see uh, conservatives get out from behind the bushes. I want them to people that, you know, really have conservative values. They're out there and they're like feeling isolated. And they come and join a team. And they come and uh, support us and we support them and to be proud again to be a Republican. I mean, we don't have to be hidden, hitting behind a, a, a blanket. We can stand up, say who we are. And um, I was a, I still am a broadcaster on TVSB. Uh, I was the first woman on KTMS 1977. My mother was the uh, woman of the year in 1963. So it just runs deep in my veins to uh, be a conservative and to help people. And um, I'm a pickleball player and I love to get out there and do whatever I can do to uh, encourage people to run for office, to stand up for the GOP. And these ladies have been a great uh, mentors for us. Thank you. Thanks, Mary. <laughs> great. Well, thank you so much for your time. Good luck to you all. And I'm sure we'll talk soon. And I appreciate you uh, coming on the show and sharing your story and talking about the important issues that we all care about. So thank you. Have a great day. Thanks, Josh. Thank you, Josh.
बाय बाय बाय